everybody. This is Bunkhouse Bob. And the Worldly Laura. Live from the Armory Wrestling Show, folks, we're heard on more platforms than an Olympic diver. FNX.network, iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio. You can't turn a corner without running into one of us, and you'd rather run into me than you would Laura. Ain't that the truth? Wednesday night, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, live from the Armory Wrestling Show, the premier podcast of independent wrestling. You better listen. Welcome to Live from the Armory Wrestling Show. The premier podcast of indie wrestling. The greatest thing to happen since War of the Worlds in like 1938, which I wasn't around then. Or the family <laughs> gathering around the radio for listening to the Waltons, you know, like the Waltons did. Our studio line is area code 213-816-1605. With your host, Bunkhouse Bob. Listen, here's a little known fact. I can rap <laughs> almost anything, Okay. I can yeah, but nobody says you got to be the Fresh Prince, okay? And the lovely Laura. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to your town, and I'm going to beat the crap out of your top guy, and I'm going to walk out of here with this cell. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Live from the Armory Wrestling Show. My name is The Bunkhouse Bob, and I am the greatest wrestling mind of the 21st century, folks. This is episode 288 of the program. We thank you for tuning in tonight, no matter how you listen to the show. If you listen as we do this thing live every Wednesday night on Blog Talk Radio, or if you catch us on any of the platforms that we're on, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, all that great stuff, We appreciate your support. Make sure that you listen to us at www.fnx.network. They would appreciate your support. A lot of great content available on the network, so make sure that you're checking them out. Please go over to uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, www.prowrestlingtees.com. Type in FNX Network up in the search bar, and you'll find a couple of live from the Armory Wrestling Show shirts to choose from for purchase. You can pass that out to your beloved or betrothed for holiday coming up. And last but not least, if you have a question, a comment, a critique, or a criticism about a guest or a commentary that you've heard on this program, you can always email us at askthearmory at gmail.com. This episode, folks, is a little bit different. We're taking a break tonight from doing interviews. We have done interviews on every episode of this show that I can recall, except no, there was one other one. Well, we interviewed ourselves. So yeah, we have interviewed for 287 episodes. We have done interviews and tonight we're going to take a break from the interviews because there's a lot of leftover stuff, a lot of leftover tricks, treats and shenanigans from the world of professional wrestling, especially towards the uh, back half of October. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a, There's several things. That's what we're going to do. There's several things that we're going to talk about, and I'm not going to do it alone. 
because I know you all get tired of hearing me alone talk. I'm going to bring in not only the co-host of the program, the lovely Laura, but I'm going to also bring in our co-executive producer of the show, Mr. George Coles, is going to join us tonight. We're just going to have a little chit-chat about some stuff that's going on wrestling. How are you doing, guys? Doing well, Bob. Mr. Coles? I'm doing great, Bob. I'm doing great. Great to hear you're both on the, on the radio tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wouldn't have it any other way. There's a sense of, uh, sense of relief, I guess. Uh, Low-pressure show. So there's no expectation. So, you know, I'm a low-expectation guy anyway. So uh, whatever happens, again. yeah, I'm a low expectation guy. So whatever whatever happens is going to happen. Uh, but something that does need to happen before we get going into all this stuff is, Laura, why don't you go on to give out the social media stuff, and then we'll discuss Mr. Coles's poll, his Twitter poll, that is, for this week. Uh, yeah, I'm not discussing George's poll, okay? <laughs> we talk about George's poll every week. But I do need to correct one thing. You said that we had interviewed people on every show except for a couple, and uh-huh. or actually something along that line. It's been more than a couple that we've had that we really? haven't interviewed someone. At the times mm. in which we did the, uh, you know, the Halloween Havoc that we looked at. And oh, the- that's true. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, what? Maybe but- five? Five episodes we haven't done interviews? Six, maybe? I just wanted to throw that out there in case there's somebody like me who's like, that ain't right. That ain't right. (laughs) Then I'll trust me. There's plenty of people that listen to this show that say that isn't right, (laughs) but it is right. That's all you need to know. No writer. Yeah. Um, So let's talk about George on the Twitter polls. polls. Yes. his his Twitter poll this week was, did the WWE make the right decision making the fiend Bray Wyatt Universal Champion? Okay. So we had, yes, he is over. No, he doesn't need it. And too little, too late. Mm. Okay. So, yes, he is over one with 65% of the vote. No, he doesn't need it. Uh, came in second with 25, too little, too late with 10%. And I happen to be in the minority because I think this is too little, too late for Mr. Uh, Bray Wyatt and is not a jab at him because I okay. think he is a wonderful performer. Um, the thing that bothers me, though, is the, the vignettes and things, it doesn't translate into the ring. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes, you know, I do. It's, it's like he's wonderful doing things like that, but in the ring, I, there's just not that carryover, and I, I don't know why. But, you know, I think Bray Wyatt, you know, I said it before when he was a member of the, Bray, of the uh, Wyatt family, he was the closest thing to the Undertaker that we had because he had a gimmick. He right. actually had a gimmick. Okay. But that's just my opinion. Okay. Well, let's ask the Twitter mastermind, the Twitter poll mastermind, Mr. Coles, what was your thought process coming up with this particular question? 
Well, see, and it's it's an interesting one because a lot of people are looking at the themed version of Bray Wyatt as a restart, a reboot, a chance to do the character right. And that's where I was looking at it at three different angles. Uh, first off, yeah, he's one of the most over characters they have. Okay. No, uh, much like The Undertaker and Kane, Undertaker or Kane were never a character, or even you could go back to Bruiser Brody or Andre the Giant. They were never characters that needed a championship to be top of the card. And then the two little two ladies for the people, much like Laura, which I know there's a big sentiment out there, may not have voted, uh, but even 10% is a good, good amount of the population that think that maybe they've uh, waited too far to give Bray Wyatt a chance to run with the ball. Okay. Well, here, here's what I think, and then we'll try to tie this all together. Uh, Laura made a very, very valid point. I think I'm going to try to strike on it secondly. First off, I said on this program that I felt that the WWE's handling of the Wyatt family when they were called up to NXT, up to the main roster, was probably one of the most mishandled move-ups, call-ups in recent memory within the modern era because these guys were over. I mean, like over to the point where you could have given them anything to work with and they could have made it work. And what did we end up having happen was is that we split them up. We added Daniel Bryan in for some interjection, some nonchalant part of the storyline. And basically, basically the powers that be took the Wyatt family, one of the best gimmicks that they had had in a long, long time and ruined it. What Uh I think, what I think would would have worked or would work or would work better, I should say, is that I almost see the Bray Wyatt Fiend character like a split personality type thing. I don't think that it would have been beyond the realm of reason to have Bray Wyatt come out to the ring dressed like he is in the Firefly Funhouse and wrestle. Not to say that he has to lose and job if if you can follow me, what I'm talking about is a transformation in character. Not necessarily mid-match, because that would be next to impossible to pull off, but have him wrestle as Bray Wyatt, uh, and then as the feud escalates, which feud in this day and age is three weeks, uh, then you have The Fiend, almost kind of like a Finn Balor-esque type of, of deal, if you follow what I'm saying. I think that fans may have stomached that or could stomach that a little bit more. Um, I I think it would be a little bit more intriguing. Um, And I'm not talking about transformation a la Doc Gallows back from the Festus days when the bell would ring, you know, and he would go from simpleton to Superman. But I think if we worked with something like that, it may have, it may have helped a little bit more. I'm kind of almost in, in the category that, that Laura's in, you know, just a little bit too little, too late. I mean, I, I like the character. I like the idea of the character. I just think that the leftover bad taste of Hell in the Cell and Seth Rollins and the whole, the whole shtick, I, I just think, I think soured the momentum going into this. Uh, that That's kind of what I think. Um, do you think a, a transformation type character would work better for you two? No I'm not doubt. sure I'd what like would some... work better. I, 
I, I, I kind of see what you're saying. Something like they did with the three faces of Foley, where he would wrestle almost as total different characters depending on which character came out. You know, Dude Love was more of a a baby face. Mankind was just straight sadistic, and Cactus Jack was when he needed the the big guns, when he needed absolutely the darkest part of his mind. And I I think something like that, yeah, definitely would work. Um, it's kind of in WWE, they kind of haven't done it right with uh, Finn Balor either, because I think it's something that they shouldn't announce ahead of time. Like, when right. the demon comes out, I think the demon should be a surprise, or surprise. the demon should be a surprise. Yeah. And then, where, where Finn, Finn wrestles the same as the demon or not, not saying that he's not a fantastic wrestler either way, I think, to me, with my, my problem with the Finn demon character, when he did it in Japan, he would almost wrestle at double speed, and be twice as aggressive, whereas now he's not changing his style at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something like that, where it's, uh, the, you know, the Bray Wyatt, the goofy Mr. Rogers-esque character wrestles one way, and the Fiend right. is the sadistic way. Right. I mean, do you think that that would, would work better for you, Laura? I mean, if and not to say that he has to be, a, you know, a comedic goof in the ring as the Bray Wyatt leader of the Firefly Funhouse character. He can hold his own, but when his back's against the wall, when, you know, he's really, you know, almost like, a, you know, a, a, a David Banner Hulk character type thing, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. I I just think I am done with Bray Wyatt. And mm. it's not anything against him, really. It, it's, it's just the way that he's been booked and just... Yeah. Yeah, just like we've been teased and, you know, shown, you know, here's the bait. And, uh, yeah. That's it. You didn't get yeah. it. Uh, you got to be quicker. But, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. You Fair know, enough. So. You know who yeah. it, uh, it reminds me of, and it's a total different gimmick, is uh, Jinder Mahal. For years and years, yeah. they gave us Jinder Mahal as a low-level, loses-every-match comedy wrestler. And then they expected to flip the switch and uh, everyone to believe him as a world champion. Well, if he would have came in out like that, I think he would have did a fantastic job because if you watch it inside the bubble, he was doing some really good heel work as champion, just that you had five to seven years before that where he was the guy taking all the losses in 3MB and kind of, they never built him to be anything, and then all of a sudden they want to flip the switch. It's kind of a similar situation, in my opinion. Fair enough. Fair enough. Laura, how was your week? Bob, I'm telling you, this basement's killing me. Why don't you just turn it into a giant root cellar? I wish I, I, I would, except all my plumbing. And my water heater and my uh, uh, fuse box is down there. there I'd like okay. to hold all except for those things. <laughs> um, yeah. I wouldn't give shits what happened to it except for that. Uh, yeah. The door's on. Uh, 
Um, I've got to get a heater to put down there uh, because it's going to be 24 fucking degrees here tomorrow night. This is November, not February. Mother Nature, go home. You're drunk. (laughs) (laughs) I'm this bullshit. So basically, I've still got some things to go with the the basement. Uh, My friend that's been helping me is going to be uh, coming by tomorrow morning to do some stuff. I'm just hoping that we can get this done before Thanksgiving because it's really stressed me out, and I feel like that all my attention has been focused on this. I've gotten a replicate list together barely. Uh, yeah. I haven't even looked for it. I'm not taking a whole lot with me this year. Uh, I'm just doing photo ops mostly, and I'm getting mm-hmm. a couple of autographs. But other than that, and I'm scaling way back, uh, mm-hmm. on the people, uh, just because it's, you know, it's so big and it's so expensive and I just can't, unfortunately, do that this year like I would normally do in years past. But um, just a lot going on in my life right now that I'm just really hoping and praying that after WrestleCade, uh, well, of course, Thanksgiving, WrestleCade, and Christmas, that things are going to slow down a little bit to where I can, like, Breathe. Breathe. And yeah. I would like to say that our good friend Chris Riddle mm-hmm. uh, slapped uh, Donnie Bit Don, whatever he wants to call himself, and uh, they're going to have a Survivor Series type match at CWF Mid Atlantic on November, I believe it is November 16th. Let okay. me double check on that day because I don't want to. It is November 16th. It's right. going to be Team Chris Riddle uh, versus uh, Team Riddle, pardon me, versus Team Bit Don. Uh, Team Riddle is uh, our good friend Chris Riddle. Aaron Biggs, who I absolutely positively love, Aaron Biggs, who's been a guest on the show, and two mm-hmm. mystery partners. Ooh, okay. Uh, if Team Bit Don wins, uh, Chris will have to sell his commentary seat to them. But Ooh. if Chris wins, he gets Con O'Kelly at Battlecade 20, which is their big, their WrestleMania, basically. Yeah, their big event, on December, right. On December 28th. And so I got the feeling that Con O'Kelly going to get his wig snatched. You can uh, you can find information out on CWF Mid-Atlantic at www.cwf247.com. Uh, they're also on Twitter, and you can watch uh, CWF Mid-Atlantic shows 100% for free on the Twitch app. So just get the Twitch app, type up in the uh, search engine, CWF Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, go and follow the page, put the little heart beside of it, it'll pull up in your feed, and you can watch all the CWF events for free on Twitch. So that would be pretty, I do that. pretty cool. Catch uh we catch Mr. Riddle all the time like that. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to say, too, that um, uh, George South had a big show in Mississippi uh, this yes. past weekend. And uh, mm-hmm. George B. heads to uh, StarCast in Baltimore. I am so happy they're having George on StarCast. I, I hope and pray that one day they bring StarCast to Charlotte because my ass is going to be there. Uh, <laughs> I don't care. Who to bring, I would have given, if I could have gotten to Chicago to 
Team Punk, I would have. Um, but I don't care. I, I just want to be at a, at a sarcast. And real quick, I just want to mention that um, uh, my honey bunny, John, is at AEW tonight. Hmm. Hey, John, so have a good time. Cool. Take pictures. Uh, He'll be on the hard camera side, so you guys probably Ooh. will be in Adrian Roar, his friend, um, are going to be, I think they got pretty good seats. Okay. Uh, Adrian well. did some uh, wheeling and dealing and finagling, and so you might be able to actually see them pretty well. Um, good so, now, Laura, now, Laura, I got some good news for you. What's that? If, uh, if you don't watch Being the Elite, on the last being the elite, they showed uh, after last week's show in uh, West Virginia that uh, they were teasing the crowd, saying if we could throw this shirt through that, one of the people in the crowd had a sign with a circle on it. They said if we could throw it through there, we're going to have a pay per view here in West Virginia. And they kept throwing until they got it through. So at some point, they're going to have a pay per view in Charleston, which I don't know how close you are to that, but I. I seem to remember you saying that you went to Charleston for shows before. So if they have a pay-per-view there, that means StarCast will be there. George, did you fall and bump your head? I have never said I've been to the pay-per-view in Charleston. <laughs> Charleston. I could have swore you did. I don't – I might oh, be – I, oh, I, I will take, I will take like, if I'm wrong. Like, like Christopher Columbus over here. So we'll start calling you Rand McNally. I don't no, live West. Fucking Virginia. I don't live in fucking Virginia. No, I know you don't. He was trying to do something nice. He was trying to tell you something nice that it was. If a pay per view was going to come. Shut up, Bob. I could have swore you told me at one point you went to the the Charleston Coliseum where they actually did the show from last week. Like I said, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, no. and if I'm wrong here, I I do apologize. It's no knock on you. I, I actually I, was trying to help you. I always went to the Roanoke, Virginia Civic Center when I went to wrestling shows. So I, I never went to Charleston. Charleston is probably a good three or four hours from where I live. So Charlotte, is, Charlotte is a good three hours uh, from where I live as well. And I can stay with my honey bunny for free in tr- in uh, Monroe. So that's See, three kind of hours a, ain't that bad. Three hours is not, but George, the the roads you have to travel on to get to Charleston, no. Mm-mm. Have you ever somewhere? Been? <laughs> somewhere there's faint banjo music drifting through the wind. Yeah, I am sure. You know, I think, I think this is where I'd probably get my story mixed up because I remember you going into West Virginia with a – was it a refrigerator that was on fire in someone's front yard? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, God. That was, oh. John Bluefield, West Virginia to see Cedric uh, Alexander. He was wrestling for West Virginia Championship Wrestling. And we went up there, and we were coming back, and – I was trying to – I'd been on this road. I'd used to repossess cars, and I'd been in West Virginia repossessing cars, and I knew where we were. And John's like, well, the GPS says turn here. And I'm like, don't turn here. Uh, 77, Interstate 77 is just up the road. That's what we need to get on. What does he do? He turns to the right, 
And I'm like, I don't know where we are. You need to turn around and get back on 460. And there are people sitting. It's a trailer park. There are people sitting outside on couches, couches that should be, like, in your house, okay? Upholstered couches. <laughs> and they fucking a fucking refrigerator burn. They have set <laughs> on fire. Yes. And I'm like, yes. We got to get the hell out of here because that thing is about to blow. <laughs> see, see now that that story. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know why I thought you said you went to Charleston, but that's the story I was thinking of okay. when I thought of Charleston. Yeah, Charleston is the capital of West Virginia, and it could have been, been, been. I one. believe that weekend. Uh, I believe I believe that weekend that Cedric also wrestled in Charleston to, at some point. I love me some Cedric Alexander, but I <laughs> John's always told me he's never going back. That was his first trip to West Virginia. He's like, I uh, for all Speaking of our of list, guys, for any yeah. listeners that are in West Virginia, please I don't. Yeah, it, just, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, it is what it is. I, I know. Speaking I of Cedric in uh, West Virginia, did you guys see yeah. um, the AEW Dark where they show their dark matches that a uh, big swell Ariel Monroe got to wrestle on there? I didn't I, see it, but I saw where they advertised it. And I'm proud of Ariel. Yeah, I saw the adver- like Laura. I saw the the advertisement for it, but I did not get to see the match. Did not get to see the match. Her, How was uh, it? Was it good, George? Her, oh, it was a fantastic match. It was her and Mercedes Martinez. Uh, versus Allie and Sadie Gibbs, and I don't want to—I won't give away the winners and losers. But uh, Big Swole and, and Mercedes Martinez looked more like a team than the two wrestlers that are signed AEW currently did. I—I I thought they looked excellent. Uh, if they don't both get contracts based off of that, I would be very surprised. Just have to uh, have to stay tuned. So let's uh, let's talk about a couple of things. First thing, we're going to go a little out of order. First thing, I don't know how many people have seen this or not, but Lance Storm is closing the Storm Wrestling Academy. And he put ahead out on Twitter that he is taking a producer's role or production role within WWE in order to do this. And I didn't see the official announcement from WWE, but that's what Lance is saying, at least on his Twitter uh, he has rings for sale, pads, just a bunch of different stuff, and uh, says, you know, that he is closing the closing the wrestling academy down, and he is headed to the WWE in some type of backstage role. So, certainly want to wish Lance Storm all the best of luck. And I know that there's been several people. There's been a couple of guests uh, that have been on this program that went up to Lance Storm's academy. The ones that stand out most recently are probably Keegan Brittle and Jasmine Ragon from Australia had spent some right. time mm-hmm. up at Storm Wrestling Academy. So certainly want to certainly want to wish him the best of luck. One of the things that I saw, he's had a, yeah, he's had quite of a quite a good a track record with training people. I mean, Taya Valkyrie, Chelsea Green. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say Diana Peraza went through there. There have been a bunch of really, really solid wrestlers that have come out of his academy, so it's kind of a shame 
that he's leaving that area, but maybe he'll be put in the, the role of training their, their very green people down in NXT. That very well could be. We'll just have to, uh, to stay tuned. There was something that floated around out that I read and, uh, I don't know. It was uh, superstar Billy Graham talking oh, about talking about the the entire the entire NXT roster being undersized and and particularly singling out Adam Cole, saying that Adam Cole, yeah, Adam Cole, baby, saying that Adam Cole needed to get on steroids and that. Triple H could show him how to use them properly, and we needed to beef him up a little bit. Now, unless my memory fails me, which it does from time to time, I am almost certain that Billy Graham was named one of the defendants in the Ed All lawsuit, the steroid scandal of the 1980s, uh, with Vince McMahon, the WWE. Am I correct on that? Is my memory is that because I'm getting triggered on that somehow? I'm I'm thinking that he was part of that whole deal. Was he not? Oh, Superstar Billy Graham? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Okay. We've got people in different realms of athleticism at different levels, whether it's high school, college, professional football, baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever it is, that performance in MMA, performance-enhancing drugs, PEDS, are, are illegal. Now, in the realm of professional wrestling, they are still tested for certain things. And I am almost positive that certain types of PEDs, especially HGH, human growth hormone, are tested for as well. I don't understand the thought process of someone knowing what we know now today about steroids and steroid use, why someone would publicly tell another athlete, Adam Cole is an athlete, that he should use steroids. There's something, there is something incredibly that wrong. And you just don't give a fuck. That's why. <laughs> See, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put the, put the spin on it, and Laura just comes out and tells you how it is. It's the kind of role reversal. I, I guess so, because it makes absolutely no sense to me at all as why someone would tell another athlete, you need to shoot up between your toes and get a little bigger, kid. <laughs> I had to, Jordan, now, what were you going to say? I, I, I'm going to lump this into to some of the other people that have similar statements, and I think if you look at the generation he came from, he came from the right. generation where everybody was 6'5", 260 pounds. Land of the so Giants. Right. From that perspective, Adam Cole is small. However, there was this thing that happened in the 1990s, and it, and it blew up more in the early 2000s, called MMA. And right. MMA has shown us that you don't have to be 6'7", and 300 pounds to be a total badass. You could be 5'8" and 120 pounds, and kick everybody's ass in the room. That's and true. I think, I think what these guys, these older gentlemen, aren't necessarily realizing, and, and I'm, you know, it, I try to stay 
with what's going on relevant in the wrestling community now. And and some of the criticism is, is valid. But if you look at Adam Cole, he does not look any different than half of the UFC roster. If you look at a guy like, I don't know, one of the people they say is painfully small, like uh, Chad Gable, he doesn't look anything different than what you would tune in on your UFC pay-per-view and see fighting. So to me, I think it's just a generational thing where they don't quite get that the athletes of this generation aren't necessarily bulked up monsters. And I, I'll chalk it up that he just doesn't understand that the, the new generation's a little bit different than his was. Right. He's old and he doesn't give a fuck. That's it right there. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, now Laura, Laura said in two sentences what I could in three minutes. Exactly. That's that's what I was getting at. It's you know if I think the landscape of of wrestling is is obviously changed. Is you know uh, the styles have changed, um, the physiques have obviously changed, and um, you know I would rival that Adam Cole's cardio is probably uh, at, at the top of anyone's game right now within the WWE NXT universe, whatever you want to call it. I am pretty certain that his cardio is probably far superior than what Billy Graham's was back in the day. So I, I don't know. I just thought it was, I mean, and this isn't the first time that he, that he's been on this, this kick about, you know, uh, some of these guys and gals need to get bigger, you know, the, the whole physical appearance side. It just, I, I just think it's ludicrous that, that another person, a person within the industry or a former person within the industry would tell another athlete that they need to use steroids. I mean, if you want to tell the guy, hey, won't you try this keto diet or, you know, maybe you try, try eat more bread or something like that, but you're telling a guy that you should be using something, yeah. He should be using something that has been scientifically and medically proven to be detrimental to someone's health. And basically it'll kill you after a certain period of time from progressive use. How, to be honest with you, how Billy Graham is still alive after steroid use, I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I, I don't know how all that looks, how that works, but, yeah, but we've know, known all- enough people that have died from it. He just he put all that out, and he's going in the hospital right now. I mean, he's in the hospital right now for some kind of surgery, and I'm, and that doesn't even. I'm like, I want to say, and I might be wrong. You guys could correct me on this. But remember when he did the comeback and did the karate gimmick in the mid-'80s? Oh, God, it was horrible. Wasn't wasn't he at that point? Didn't he have to get a hip replacement that he blamed on his years of steroid use? I think you're right. I, I don't. I'm not so sure if it was around the karate gimmick because he did that for a little bit and then went back to the the tie dye. He was he was a heel in Mid Atlantic with Paul Jones with the karate gimmick, and mm-hmm. then turned on Paul Jones and went back to the tie dye gimmick with the boogeyman. But I. I don't know if the hip surgery was around that time, but you're exactly right. He did blame the hip surgery on um, the steroid use. Yeah. Now, to yeah, me, to me, I would say, hey, 
don't ever use steroids. Look what it did to me. Yeah, but that's that's where we're different. Be an advocate for it. I mean, if you look at the number of people, both male and female athletes, that have suffered from from detrimental health issues over the years and even death from the use of steroids, anabolic steroids, the list is staggering. So for, you know, for him to come out and tell another athlete that, you know, you should use, you can use them and, and Triple H will show you how to do it. I mean, that's just a slap in the face. I mean, it just, the whole thing just stinks. I mean, it just stinks bad. I mean, but, you know, like Laura said, he's probably because he's crazy. So. I'm going to put this out here and I'm going to get some attention on me. Right. Um, but because I'm saying crazy. Part of it too. That could be part of it too. The limelight's diminished on him. Every couple of years, he wants to poke his head out and remind you he's there. Like yeah. the damn ground. Exactly. So I get on WWE's website just a few minutes ago, and I and I check and I verify. Jordan Miles' profile is still listed on the www.wwd.com. And we talked about this a little bit last week uh, about the whole shirt situation and about the, the tweets, the flurry of tweets that went out and then some were deleted and then some were retracted or expounded upon. And then there was the uh, tweet about putting the t-shirt up on pro wrestling tees to benefit depression and anxiety disorder uh, and then we get a span of a few days, and then we get another tweet that says, if the WWE doesn't reach out to me, you know, by tomorrow or within the next day, you know, I'll, we'll know where we stand and and so on and so forth. Uh, and to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, uh, it seems as if for all the fire and fervor that this came out with last week, it was dominating social media. It was dominating headlines. All of a sudden, it seems like it's not so dominant anymore. And I want to know from either from both of you, why do you think that is? Why is it that this thing caught fire so quick last week and then now today we don't have – hardly anything on it at all. We don't have the activity. We don't have the back and forth and the retweets and all that. What do you think is really going on with Jordan Miles? Well, I think the the reason it's a non-event now is because the people that he was trying to um, um, advocate for he decided he was going to, you know, take them down in a blaze of glory too. And everybody, and a, you know, people, you know, basically said, uh, "You need to sit down and you need to shut up. You're done." George, I, I think it's something much along that lines. I think someone came to him from within the WWE and said, "You know, breach of contract and defamation." lawsuits can run you five to seven years and tie you up through the courts and you will never have a career. You know, we'll work with you to get rid of this situation, but you need to take yourself off of this, this platform as well. Because they could very easily go on there and say, hey, we made a mistake. We took the T-shirt down. We were working with him, and all of a sudden he's defaming us. 
And we all know when Big Sick Man goes to court, he doesn't lose. Now, looking at his Twitter account and him being Jordan Miles at GoGo Miles three days ago, Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. I'm proud to be African-American. I'm proud to be able to uplift others through wrestling. More importantly, I'm proud to represent you, hashtag for the culture. And a lot of people felt that this was the tweet that he had asked for a release or was granted a release, but lo and behold, not so much. Because then he goes uh, two days ago and says, if WWE doesn't reach out to me by tomorrow, I'll make sure my voice and my movement will be heard. And then we go from that to what? Uh, that's it. Two days ago. Haven't heard anything on Jordan Miles from his Twitter account in a couple of days. And, you know, it's kind of like what we had talked about a little bit last week on the program. And, and, and my feeling is still the same. I, you know, this is a very, very complex situation to me from the outside looking in and the inside looking out in the sense that there had been so many screenshots and tweets and retweets and deleted stuff that I'm not so sure what is true and what isn't true and how the whole situation would handled. Listen, I don't know if this guy is unhappy. He wanted out of his contract. He felt he was getting the short end of the stick on merchandise if it truly was somebody falling asleep at the wheel, that it was just, you know, a complete mind blank with the design. You know, I go back to what, you know, what you had sent us, George, about the designs of the shirt. And kind of like what I said last week, if this shirt had been any other color other than black, which we talked about being the standard base color for T-shirts because of how it takes how it takes images and it's the most affordable shirt other than white to mass print and sell. If it, if it had been any other color, I don't think that we're going to get all this. And I don't know what was presented to him and what wasn't. There's only, you know, there, there, there's, there's the truth and then there's the gospel truth. And eventually it will all come out in the wash. But I, I understand if he truly was outraged, I, you know, you have a voice, use that voice. And he did, but then you start going and dragging everybody and his brother through the mud along with it. And then all of a sudden it moves away from the focus of, of the shirt of being, of being slighted, of being insulted. And now you're just, it's just like you're taking everybody to task over this, you know, and it it just, things just didn't add up or they don't add up 100% for me completely. It was like, uh, well, let me, since I'm, you know, getting ready to burn this bridge, let me burn every other bridge that I've ever Exactly. Killed. Let me get burn. this torch lit, too. Right. And I'm like, you know, we talked about it, too. You know, an African-American calling another African-American an Uncle Tom is like the ultimate insult. It really and truly is. And... For him to say that about Jay Lethal, holy shit! And why? And you know, and try to bring Cedric Alexander into it. And you know, he's got a point. They didn't book him or Cedric Alexander worth a damn. Um, But don't be calling Jay Lethal and Uncle Tom in the same breath. 
you know, come on. There was was just a five-gallon bucket of nonsense thrown in on top of this, and it just – I don't, you know, like I said, I, I don't have any personal knowledge on it, and, and it's just something something about the whole thing just does not seem right to me. And I'm not talking about the right if the man actually suffered an injustice or a perceived injustice. Something about the whole situation just t- says to me, with my my little small voice, something isn't right here, and I don't know what that all will entail, but. Eventually, it will come out. Uh, I think one of the things, excuse me, one of the things that helped push this forward is something that talked about on social media during the course of this week and obviously came about with the situation that happened after WWE's event in Saudi Arabia after Crown Jewel, the travel issues. And I'm just going to call it like I see it. These clickbait sites that are that permeate Twitter and Facebook and you know Google, uh, these Google stories and all that, these clickbait sites are putting out so much misinformation and putting out so much bullshit that you cannot, I cannot discern what is the truth and what isn't the truth. And here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, I don't need to know the whole damn story. I don't. I don't need to know the whole story. Is it nice to know? Sure. It's you know. It's you know. It's entertainment. It's entertaining. But you have people that are making a living off of this. They're monetized. They're putting out YouTube videos every ten minutes. My sources tell me that Vince McMahon forgot to wipe his ass in Saudi Arabia and shook the crown prince's hand, and he was besmirched. I mean, just absolute bullshit. Well, yeah, I mean, it is absolute. <laughs> this went from this went from mechanical issues. Okay, this went from mechanical issues to WWE superstars being held hostage in the hotel, held held hostage, exactly. couldn't leave the country. Well, I mean, that's like, what happened. Is it really? Is it is it really what happened? Well, from what I could tell, well, you know, I'm not saying they were held hostage in the hotel, but they were on that plane for six hours, right? They well, were on the I plane. You, Go ahead, George. My opinion is this. I don't think we know the true story. And I think there's somewhere somewhere within the margins, and we probably won't know till five, six, ten years ago, from now when our video does a shoot with one of these key players <laughs> and they tell us what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that the, the plane issues were it because between the crown prince of Saudi Arabia and Vince McMahon, if plane issues were the real problem, I think they could have chartered another plane. Exactly. I'm just saying, you know, what else may have happened? I, I'm not sure. I don't okay. know what the truth is. I think it's a, it's interesting. But the one thing I will say is it gave us one of the best SmackDowns in recent history, in my opinion. That's true. With yep. every dark cloud, there is a silver lining. My my thing is is that we're we're also talking about, and this is the difficult part because there's no 
there were no real time quote unquote real real time updates like if we were watching headline news or Fox or CNN with a ticker down at the bottom. We're talking about something that transpired halfway around the world in what three or four different time zones. I mean, when it was noon here and you know night there when the event actually took place. Uh, you have you have basically an event an event that rivaled the size of WrestleMania. Uh, a lot of logistics, a lot of people, a lot of equipment, a lot of a lot of stuff. We'll put it like that. Okay. Now, uh, now Bob said something there that uh, that I think a lot of people are glossing over. Uh, you mentioned what? CNN and news reporting. If right. this really was as nefarious as some of these sites are making it out to be, don't you think that the international news would be all over it? American Americans being held hostage, high-profile Americans being held hostage. Don't you think that would be the lead story on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, if that was true? I would, I would think, and I, I kind of look through, and I mean, other than, you know, just – like on like an si.com sports illustrated you know they they cited delays in in people getting out of the country but we had sites that were basically saying that Vince McMahon fled the country you know because there were you know such there were such you know bad feelings this that and the other and i mean none of that in my mind in and from what i understand about how the WWE works is true uh, Vince McMahon didn't flee Saudi Arabia because he feared for his life. Here's the other thing that I thought was really, really interesting is that, and we might have to wait more than four or five years. We might have to actually wait till after 2027. It's the very next day, the WWE and the Saudi general entertainment authority announced an expansion in the, in their partnership in creating events in Saudi Arabia to run through right. 2027. Don't you think, don't you think that if Vince McMahon, quote unquote, fled the country fleeing for his life, that talents were held against their will, that we, you know, barely got everybody out like the choppers in Hanoi, in Vietnam, that we would announce that we were expanding a partnership with a hostile country or a country that treated our, our stars, our, our workers, our employees, other than the best possible way they could, do you really think the WWE would expand that partnership? you got to be crazy. There's no, there is no plausible way. Everybody would have backed up, regrouped, and said, listen, everybody's here, everybody's home safe. After this bullshit, we have to stop and take a look at everything, a hard look, and reevaluate this partnership, not reevaluate it by announcing an extension, but reevaluate it saying, look, you know, th- th- we can't have this. Here's the thing. The WWE does tribute for the troops and puts stars into areas where, although they are away from the front lines, there's still real danger. They have them fly in, you know, with, uh, with Kevlar vests, helmets, they have military escort. They're in and out of hot zones when they were when they're due tribute for the troops. Right. You, you, I mean, if the WWE is willingly doing that, knowing that 
granted, it's for the military and it's for the military, for the servicemen to be able and service women to be able to enjoy a piece of entertainment and so on and so forth, similar to what the USO did and still does to this day. The WWE took drastic measures to ensure their safety. Don't you think that if they felt that those that their stars were in real jeopardy and real danger, that they would ever send them back there? Well, you know, George has got a good point because I just thought of this. Like when Cliff was in Nigeria and they had that trouble, it was all over the news. Absolutely. And Cliff is, wasn't even with WWE at the time, so I didn't even think about that. But I still think there's something, maybe not as nefarious as what everybody is saying, but there's still something fishy going on as to why you would hold people for six hours on a fucking plane. So let's say this. Let's say this, hypothetically. Vince McMahon and the Saudi government still owes them some money, some residual off the past couple of events. They've been dragging their feet for whatever reason. So Vince McMahon says, well, you know what? We're going to go on and cut the live feed throughout Saudi Arabia. We're just going to go on and cut the feed. They go on and do that. It pisses the crown prince off. Everybody's getting ready to leave. The plane legitimately has mechanical issues, whatever. And he says, yeah, we can get him another plane, but it's going to take a little bit. And he drags his feet. You know, he drags his feet and says, well, you know, hey, we can't get this plane fixed. We'll have to get another one. But instead of leaving you sit on the plane, why don't you go back to the hotel? We'll get you all together when we're when we've got another when we've got another jet ready. Just as a just as a thing, you know, to say, hey, you know, you want to piss around and pull the feed, you know, from our country, you know, while we're while, while we're having this event, you know, you know, to can play at that game. I don't think that anybody was in any real jeopardy is what I'm trying to boil this down to. I don't think that I don't think that there was any doubt that they were going to be able to leave or get out or that they were being held against their will. Did the Saudi government drag their feet? Yeah, quite possibly. I, I don't see any reason. But to to portray it as that, you know, that this was a potential international incident, you know, that type of thing, I'm not buying it. <laughs> And, and, you know, wasn't one of the stories that Randy Orton was one of the people that was most upset with it? And then he goes um, back and signs a new contract right away? Yeah, exactly. Um, another one was Carl Anderson's wife uh, saying that he would never go back. And he jokingly replies on Twitter, sure, I'll go back if we want to get that new pool. And she says, new pool, you know, no, we need a second house. So it's a giant joke. It's just Internet fodder. You know, and. And the thing that I think that really pissed me off the most about this or just got me really thinking about it is just all these sites that continue. And we're talking about reputable or supposed to be reputable sites. We've talked about them before. You know, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez putting shit out. And basically now people are starting to call them out on their shit. Seth Rollins did saying, you know, at best you're a purveyor of misinformation or at worst you're an outright vindictive liar. You know, I, I I don't understand, you know, especially with guys like that, that seemingly is supposed to have this in this quote unquote inside track on stuff and have been shot down left and right to the point where I'm not even sure who in the back behind the curtain would trust them to give them any information at all. Because 
While the clickbait is about Seth Rollins this week, it very well may be about you next week. Right, right. Um, I, I never have understood why people have put so much, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Robbie Cox, Wait. In, uh, into Dave Meltzer's work. Because if, I didn't even know what he looked like. And the first time I saw him, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. People are afraid, <laughs> we're afraid of this guy here, of what he knows. I mean, he looks like no. he looks like Mark. I mean, he does. He looks like a Mark. And, no, yeah. no. In, fair, in fairness, they have been right a lot of times. We'll just put that out there, we, you know, because we are a fair and unbiased reporting reporting program. They have been right. But how much is it that they're purposely fed misinformation to? It's the old that, shell game. Look at this shell while the coin's under that shell. And that and that's absolutely true, George, and that's a valid point. And here's where I think the separation lies. I think at one time, you know, people were feeding him bits of information about, you know, watch this potential feud, watch this story character. So-and-so has real heat against this person because they found out they've been sleeping with their wife, you know, whatever, just to get these little tidbits of news out. And then at some point in time, you have a week that's an off week where there's not major breaking news or ratings or whatever. And it's just like, we take that and we just throw something out there or we take a particular situation and we embellish and add things on top of it and come to find out much later that it's not true. And it, and it starts to have an effect on the people that, you know, are within the company. I mean, the, the most recent Absolutely. one obviously is, is Sasha Banks and Bailey. I mean, that obviously had an effect because we know that that's where that information came from, that he stands by his words that they were laying on the locker room floor crying after WrestleMania, you know, just blubbering, you know, this, that, and the other. Yeah. I, I just, I, I just find it unconscionable that people are putting out information. Sites are putting out information that, that are based in, 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 in loose opinion zero fact and you know it's always those quote unquote my sources tell me you know it just I I, I need to go but I want to say this before I leave is that I think that this here is a reflection of the times today and that's all I'm going to say I will see you guys I'll talk to you guys next week Uh, you guys have fun and I'll talk to you later okay Laura have a good night there goes Laura you know, Laura had to go off I had to tell everybody Laura had to go off because she had to go to Lowe's or Home Depot To get the supplies tonight For the rest of her construction tomorrow So she can't stay with us the whole night But I've got George So, you know, What Bob, were you saying Mr. Coles? You know Bob while we're on the subject I didn't want to say it with her here But I yeah. really think she's building a dungeon down there And we might see a Caleb Conley locked up in Laura's basement here very soon. It, it could be. It could be a new version of the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, that's for sure. Now, uh, but, you know, it's just, it's just the whole... Yeah. Like uh, last week, our guest said Dennis and Squared yeah. Circle Sirens. Right. They go out of their way to make sure that 100% of what they report is factual. Correct. And that's the way that reporting used to be. 
if you had a rumor, you would put here, this is just a rumor. I've only heard this as a rumor. It's not a fact. But now we're getting rumors as fact. Right, yeah. And, you know, yeah. It's, it's, like you said, it's clickbait. It's clickbait. It People is. click on the Saudi princes withholding WWE wrestlers. Right, right. Which no, the true story it, might be. He might have held them up in a hotel he owns and treated them like gold. That's the whole thing. I, I think that I think that internally there would have been you would have had more not internally, you would have had more external news on this if that had been the situation. Like I said, do I believe that the Saudi government perhaps dragged their feet as a result of the live feed stream being turned off? Absolutely, I do. Do I believe that any of those people were in any danger? Absolutely not. I don't believe that for a moment. I, I don't. I don't believe that for a moment. I want to. Uh, I want to switch gears, George, because this is your area of expertise. Uh, there's been a lot of things circulating out on the internet, uh, Twitter and Facebook, about Ring of Honor and some things that have gone on or been made to light, I should say, in Ring of Honor. And these aren't so much rumor. These are actual facts, including screenshots of protocols, text messages, so on and so forth, basically between Joey Mercury, who worked for Ring of Honor until recently. And I want to make sure I pronounce it. Is it Greg Gilliland? Is that how, is that how it's pronounced? You know, I've never heard Gilliland. anyone pronounce his name. Or pronounce his last name. I've always heard him referred to as Greg the Office Boy. Okay. So Greg the Office Boy or Greg Gilliland, I believe I'm pronouncing that right, who started working for Ring of Honor, I believe, in 2015, if I have it correct. Um, oh, no, he's been there way longer than that. He's been way there, longer than well, – I think – But he got promoted to this position there, in 2015. I think he's been there since 2009. Okay. I'm, he might even been there longer than that in a, in a lesser role. I know, I know he worked there when Cornette worked there, and it's been a while since Cornette's worked there. Maybe it, maybe the 2015 thing is sticking out to me because it's a different title or a different position within the company, is what I'm is what I'm thinking. But I could be I could be wrong. At any rate, oh, you're proud. The, you're proud. The, so that so the whole thing in a nutshell is is that. We have discussed on this program since the launch of AEW and even a little bit before then, the steady decline or the the noticeable decline in the product that is Ring of Honor. And some things that were brought out to light by Joey Mercury included contract negotiations with the current, I believe she's the current, still current Women of Honor champion, Kelly Klein. The issues regarding safety and medical safety in, around, or during an event and security issues within the venues themselves. And what these basically, what these basically encompass, we talk about Kelly Klein suffering from a concussion and asking to, or being told that she needs basically to travel uh, to South Africa or South America or South Africa, George. South Africa. South Africa, while concussed, to to be on a card. The Jay Lethal arm 
his broken arm situation, not being able to or getting a delay in getting medical attention. Uh, the security, the fan issue that went back that was internet fodder about four or five months ago where a fan was taken backstage and addressed by Bully Ray and a couple others, which according to the screenshots broke protocol into how security at live events is handled. Basically, what Joey Mercury is saying in his series of tweets is, is that a lot of, if not all of the things that have transpired over the course of this time can directly directly result or, or be pointed at Greg and his mismanagement and his job duties at Ring of Honor. What do you know about this? Well, there have been rumblings about Greg and his mismanagement as, as far back as Lee's Cornette, because Cornette's openly and, you know, the problem with Cornette, he's the uh, the wolf, the boy that cries wolf. He cries so much, no one takes him serious. Other wrestlers have complained about him. Uh, B.J. Whitmer famously complained about him not allowing him to go do a training session at the Performance Center when B.J. was already retired out of Ring of Honor and just working in the back, which is why B.J. no longer works there. Um, I didn't know that the conditions were this bad because everything I've heard about ring of honor up until this is that yes, they always had security, whether it be actual paid security or wrestlers that had their nights off and were, you know, being paid to be security. They've always had security and they've always had medical going back to the beginning, even when they weren't backed by a billion dollar company to me. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen. You have a billion-dollar company backing you, and you don't have medical or security there. And that, let's not even talk about the contract that we saw for Kelly Klein. Uh, arguably, I wouldn't even say arguably. She is their biggest woman star and arguably one of the top three or four draws in the company being the women's champion three separate times, current women's champion, as you said. And her contract, they tried to lump her in saying, if we give you this much, we have to give everybody else that much. No, that's not how it works. Jay Lethal doesn't make as much money as Rhett Titus. And that's no knock on Rhett Titus. I think he's a great wrestler. Just the pecking order is different. The Briscoe brothers don't make as much money as the Beer City Bruiser and Brian Malonis because the Briscoe brothers mean more and make more money for Ring of Honor just like Kelly Klein does. But they want to lump her in with the whole women of honor saying, oh, if we pay one this, we pay them all that, which I think is indicative of their issues. Everybody wants to point to the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes and all them leaving at the beginning of this year. Well, maybe they wouldn't have left if the situation was better. Well, you know, in the well that – that and if, you know, the whole AEW thing didn't come down, you know, the way the road, the way that it has, uh, the, the writer on the con, the writer, go ahead. Well, you've been around with, you see, you remember Ring of Honor from the beginning. They've always had talent raids. I mean, TNA raided them, took Samoa Joe and a bunch of guys at one point. WWE's famously went in there and took. CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins and 
in fell swoops took six or seven guys off their roster that were main talents. So they could have survived that. They, I don't think AEW is the issue. I but they're they, not yet. They they're planned. not surviving this. That's that's the that's the issue for Ring of Honor. Well, the thing, they're not surviving the thing this. Is, Bob, the thing is, Bob, look at look at the landscape now. Five years ago, we didn't have AEW. We didn't have MLW. NWA was uh, uh, being a biopic made about Ice Cube. Um, right. Let's see what else wasn't around. Uh, Impact Wrestling was all we had was basically Impact WWE and Ring of Honor. New Japan hadn't even blown up in America quite yet. And you look at the landscape from then, there wasn't many places to go. Now, let's say a guy like, uh, obviously, uh, someone like an Austin Theory comes to mind. He didn't go to Ring of Honor. He chose Evolve because Evolve was a stepping ladder to go to WWE. Matt Riddle went to Evolve because Evolve goes to WWE. Darby Allen, same thing. You right. know, other people, uh, Brian Pillman Jr., uh, Selena De La Renta going to MLW. Right. Uh, guys like the Dolphins going to going to NWA. There's talent out there that Ring of Honor could have had. You're telling me Ring of Honor couldn't have hired the Dalton Brothers two years ago, a year ago? Well, and I think the that's... first year the Dalton Brothers were a great tag team. Right, exactly, and I think that's the sticking point is is that there is there is obvious mismanagement at several different levels. You know, people want to blame the booking, uh, they want to blame the talent ratings, they want to blame AEW. I think this what what this did for me, honestly is it just gave a snapshot into the mismanagement that is currently going on within Ring of Honor. Uh, when you take a talent like a Kelly Klein, who is arguably the face of the company, the face of the women's division, the women's division was built around Kelly Klein, and you're telling her that you cannot pay her $24,000 a year to be a signed contracted talent, uh, there, there's an issue there because we're talking about Sinclair Broadcasting that just announced that Ring of they they had picked up I want to say twenty seven more markets for regional mm-hmm. sports broadcasts that they will be feeding Ring of Honor into and of course in typical Ring of Honor and Sinclair Broadcasting fashion it'll be on some I don't know Thursday night at two o'clock in the morning uh, but still. Sinclair Broadcasting being a billion-dollar company that they are, you're telling me that they cannot afford to go out and and sign what it What it tells me is that Sinclair Broadcasting has and continues to be on the fence about being a quote-unquote wrestling company, that mm-hmm. they, are not, they are not all in nor want to be all in. And when you settle for mediocre, you get mediocre people. And I'm not talking about in-ring talents. I'm talking about mediocre people in management that ultimately don't care. And that's the way that most of this reads to me is that he does not care. He doesn't care about he doesn't care about the talents. He doesn't care about the company itself. If there was a level of care, if there was a level of concern there, then things would be things would be changing. I, I think in one of the tweets I read. You know, he cited that, that we're currently in a rebuilding era. We're in a restructuring era. Well, if you're in a rebuilding area and restructuring era, why aren't you signing people? Why aren't you locking in the talents that you have in place? And why aren't you actively pursuing talents now instead of holding 
you know, a Ring of Honor tryout out on the West Coast or, you know, up in Fargo, North Dakota, there are talents that you can see. I mean, you have scouts. The WWE has scouts at shows, and they take a look and say, mm-hmm. this one has potential, this one not so much, this one needs about three or four more years, this one might be ready for a tryout, so on and so forth. And they make contact with these people and say, hey, you know, we're interested. This is what we'd like for you to do. Well, we're going to we're going to fly out to Baltimore, and we'd like to like to talk to you. But they're not doing that. Well, it's it's like you said when people blame AEW. Every single person on the AEW roster didn't have a contract five months ago. Any one of these Correct. people could have been offered a contract from Ring of Honor. Absolutely, or all of them. They could have. They could have had every. They could have had John Moxley coming off of WWE. If they gave him a serious choice, they gave a serious run at it. They could have had a pot or pack, however you want to pronounce it. They could have had, you know, they, to me, the Kelly Klein thing is egregious because we both, it, it, it hit a real personal nerve because we know her a little bit. And I'm not saying me and Kelly Klein are best friends. We're not going out to dinner next week, but I know her a bit. And she's a fantastic human being. The face of your company should not make less money than I do at my my job. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm, no, and that and I, I think that's fair. I think that's reasonable. The question I have for you is that, given the number of holes that are in the ship right now, Ring of Honor still has somewhat of a working relationship with New Japan, albeit not as much as what it has been in the past. They have somewhat still of a working relationship, I believe. With CMLL, is that correct, George? Yes, sir. Is that is that enough? With enough with the holes that are that are visible in the hull of the ship right now, are those two partnerships enough to float Ring of Honor through until this ship can get righted? And more importantly, what's it going to take? I think it's going to take a full top to bottom assessment of what they have, what assets they have. What's good for their company? What's bad for their company? What's good for their company? Kelly Klein. What's bad for their company? Greg, the office boy. Uh, maybe a booking change. Delirious has been Booker for quite a while, so there is possibility he's burned out. I, I got to say, uh, if I'm going to be 100% honest, uh, some of the booking decisions they've made this year are perplexing at best to me. PCO is challenging at final battle. They're their main show of the year for the world title against Roosh. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Roosh is a main guy. He's a star that should be a a headliner at final battle. And I'm not knocking PCO for what he is. He's got a fan base, but he's a very niche character. That, to me, is indicative of what the company is, that PCO is in the main event of their biggest show. No knock on PCO, and I'm, I, I, I want to say that as plain as I could be. I have no problem with PCO, the wrestler. I believe that even he would say that he should not be considered a main event talent in a wrestling company at this point in his career. Hmm. Interesting. He's a gimmick. Yeah, it is a gimmick. It is a gimmick. Uh, you know, I think that it's going to – my personal thought is, is that whenever you have issues within a company that – are this are this heavy than has been 
you know, good, bad, or indifferent, brought to the public's attention. You have people that have genuine concerns about, you know, how things are being run, but both the inside and the outside. Uh, it's time to take a look. You know, I think it's time to take a look. I think it's time to uh, maybe get some fresh eyes on it, a fresh approach. Um, you know, it, at this point, at this point, is this, is this rock bottom for Ring of Honor? It, it might, my gut's telling me, yeah, it kind of is. I, can it get any oh, worse? Yeah. Well, sure, it could get worse. I mean, you could have a few other talents just say, I've had enough and leave. Uh, if the Briscoes were to leave, that'd be a major blow. If Kelly Klein were to leave, that would be a major blow. But here's the thing is that you haven't heard anything from Ring of Honor to address any of these. You can't have Mandy Leone take a snapshot or post something on Twitter or Instagram page with the ring full of Ring of Honor stars and put the hashtag loyalty on it and make the situation any better. Because then you're trying to make people sound just like they're disgruntled employees, that they're on the outside looking in. These are people that work for the company that you were just breaking bread with less than six months ago. So don't don't try to gloss it over by using, you know, hashtag loyalty, hashtag family, you know, because loyalty only gets you so far. And trust me, they've always, uh, something I was told a long time ago, you never do business with family. You know, it, it, it can always get you in trouble. So. We'll keep an eye on this Ring of Honor situation, but I think it's time for a house cleaning. One of the things yeah, that, uh, yeah, one of the I things put my that name in the ring. put me head booker. Put you as head booker? Yeah, I know, I know. I, I'd put my name in the ring too, but they'd only find me back in catering. That's the only place they'd find me. <laughs> um, one of the things that we uh, uh, wanted to talk about tonight. Uh, with all of the shenanigans that happened at Crown Jewel with the, you know, planes and trains and automobiles, something that uh, did not get past me. And I hope that, and I, and I was really hoping there would be more momentum to this on the internet, but it seems like the whole travel thing kind of overtook it, was the history-making match, groundbreaking match between Natalia Neidhart and Lacey Evans. Uh, a lot had been made about this beforehand, the first time that two women wrestled in Saudi Arabia on such a huge card. And I said last week when we were talking to Dennis, I'd be interested about where it was placed at on the card. I would be interested to see how it was presented. And I'll tell you, it knocked it out of the park for me um, in the sense that the WWE knew that they had, had been handed something. I'm not going to say so much a gift, but they knew that they had been handed something. They, they, what they were handed, ladies and gentlemen, was a moment in time, a moment of history. And and in the past, my biggest fear has been that the WWE is going to fumble the fucking ball with this. Pardon my French. But they were handed that moment in time and could could not have honored it more Given the circumstances that they were, had to work within, the parameters they had to work within, I'm not going to sit here and debate with you about morality and cultural differences and socioeconomic differences and political differences. Here's the deal. They were handed an opportunity, and both of those ladies and the WWE knocked it out of the park. 
I thought that the match placement on the card was spectacular. One of the things that just gave me chills was when Natalia's music came on, George, and the crowd just went nuts. Just went absolutely nuts. You know, she comes to the ring dressed in all black with a T-shirt on, hair pulled up in a simple ponytail. Then we get Lacey Evans' music. She comes out, same type of attire, all black, hair pulled, you know, T-shirt on, hair pulled up in a ponytail. They both acknowledge the crowd. She came out to a huge pop as well. Both acknowledged the crowd, shook hands, and then got about to the point of showcasing women's professional wrestling. Stripped down were the gimmicks and the pandering and all that other stuff. It was just two women in the ring wrestling. And I think that was the absolute best way. We didn't need a lot of high spots or fancy, you know, fancy moves. We didn't need all of that. All we needed to do is exactly what we, what we saw. And at the end of it, you know, to, to see, I think the thing that moved me and I think, and I think I speak for you, but I'll let you say it yourself. And what certainly moved a lot of the, the WWE universe, so to say, was the, the, the faces of the young girls in the audience of the, of the women that were in attendance, uh, just the wide eyed, the smiles, the belief that anything, anything is possible. And it came, came true. That belief came true in that moment of time, that moment of history that the WWE was, was privileged enough to be able to provide uh, in Saudi Arabia. What do you think? I 100% agree with everything you said. And to, to add to that, to me, and a lot of people look at it, it's WWE. You know, it isn't looked at as favorably among the things. However, to me, this was like Jackie Robinson breaking in for the Dodgers. You had your first glimpse, like you said, these young ladies got to see someone they can look up to, and while while it may have been, you know, a toned down, less gimmicked, you had the two perfect wrestlers for that, because if you look at their entire roster, the two wrestlers that work without any gimmick are the two wrestlers they put in there. You couldn't have did this with the Iconics. Well, I mean, you could have, they're there's a lot of talented wrestlers in that in that company, but these were the two perfect wrestlers that you didn't have to tweak their gimmick too much to make it fit within the religious and social constraints that they had, which would explain why they had to be covered, all that good stuff. Correct. I see a lot of people, a lot of people, look at it negatively, and to me, I was like, well. There's there's a point you can't you can't go from zero to a hundred you have to go from zero to ten and then ten to twenty Correct. and then twenty to thirty much like Jackie Robinson in baseball the next day there wasn't forty African American players signed 
but by the next year there were some more and then five years later there was more and then 10 years later all that mattered was how talented you were and that's what we can see five years from now when we watch a wwe show there probably all the women's titles will be challenged there and you know what that is, you're exactly right, you know, and I, I think in this ADD-driven society, you know, that, well, first of all, we had the arguments that, you know, we shouldn't be there in the first place, you know, it's blood money and the the Saudis and the Yemens and, you know, all this other stuff, and we're, folks, we're not talking about a, uh, we're not talking about a political platform, a political movement, what we're talking about is an entertainment company, World Wrestling Entertainment. Mm-hmm an entertainment company going to that country to put on an entertainment show. I mean, let's, let's be real about this. Okay. An entertainment company going on to put on an entertainment show is what it was. Uh, would be, and what it would be no different than a search de soleil or, or Disney on ice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very, my point exactly. Very good analogy, George. Uh, what this what this did was is that it opened it cracked open the door, and you know we could get caught up and we have you know we've talked about it at length on the program about the ramifications and you know the the treatment of the treatment of women of you know the the the, the gay lesbian transgendered community in in foreign countries and so on and so forth but we're not. This was not a political platform show. It was an entertainment show, an entertainment event. And what this did was that it allowed the door to be opened, and it was handled in such a way so that at the next event, if it's treated with the with the respect and the dignity, to the respect to the to to the Saudi people, that it would be allowed to happen again. You know. You know, the funny thing about it, you know, and I I don't talk politics because it's not my view of politics is not important. But a lot of people think that the United States is like Johnny Appleseed, that we should just be running around all over the world, spreading seeds of democracy, and it'll take root and everybody will have our way of thinking. Folks, that that that's just not realistic. There are people that are happy with their I'm not saying that. People are happy being oppressed and blah, blah, blah. Please don't send me hate mail. People are happy with their own set of circumstances and the way that things ran or the way that things run. It's not it's not my responsibility and it's not the WWE's responsibility to be running around planting seeds of democracy in a foreign country. They were there to provide an entertainment show, and that's what they did. Well, and, you know... Even with that, they have done more than this than would be expected of them. The fact that they pushed to have that match says a lot to how much they value their women in their company, as well as on a global scale, how they value women. You got to remember, this is a company that two of their high-ranking officials, nepotism or otherwise, are Linda and Stephanie McMahon. You're telling me that they don't they don't care about women's rights? Triple H has three daughters. You don't you're telling me he doesn't care about women's rights? It's 
we they have to take baby steps into this. Absolutely. And they have to and you know, like you said, Bob, not everybody is American. We have different no. views Correct. than the people of Saudi Arabia have, which have different views than the people of China <laughs> have that have different views than the people of Japan have and so on right. and so forth. Right. There's cultural and all that stuff. And I I I do think that this is this is a major positive for both the country of Saudi Arabia's progression into being more open to maybe you know, okay, women can compete. Maybe we need to look at our women here a little differently. You know? Maybe this is the thing that sparks, you know. One of the things one of the reasons they're there is because the prince loves the product. If one of the things he loves is showing him, hey, women can compete on an equal playing ground, maybe that starts to change his mind too. Absolutely. I mean, it's, I guess, you know, you know, our, like what you were saying, our views are not necessarily their views. And, you know, every pair of glasses is different. We all see the world a little bit differently. Uh, you know, no mean did I... I guess no way, shape, or form did I did I ever want people to think what I meant was is that you know people are happy being oppressed or people are happy not having oh, no. basic human rights or anything like that. What I meant with is that people are people that are not American or people that they live in a different country only know what they have in their country. They see they see a taste of Western culture or a taste of different cultures. It, if they have access to the internet, I mean, you know, we've, we've thought in China, you know, that the internet is regulated. There are things that people in China cannot see or will not see. So because they haven't seen it or don't know about it, does that make them any better off or less better off? I mean, we could get caught into a huge wormhole. You know what I mean? But, and there's a, it's another one of those things. A lot of countries look at us and go, Hey, they don't even got universal health care for their people. Right, exactly. Look at how look at how screwed this up is. It? Yeah, exactly. You yeah, know, there's a lot of people. That you're absolutely right. So they got a mass murder every two weeks. Yeah, there's something messed <laughs> up in America. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. Um, so I'm hoping that everybody enjoyed, you know, the Natalia Lacey match and took it for what it's worth. You know, I I I stick by what I said. You know, a, a a history-making moment that the WWE handled very well. I was going to go on and talk a little bit about. I was going to go on and talk a little bit about WrestleCade, but I'm not going to do that because I think we want to wait just a little bit longer, George. Because uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks, if everything lines up right, we'll have a special WrestleCade show, like we do every year. So I'm not going to blow that. Uh, what I am going to tell everybody. What I am going to tell everybody is that. Uh, coming up next week on this very program our guest next week will be miss selena rose you may have seen her at aml wrestling uh we're going to talk with selena about her foray into the world of professional wrestling and uh get her thoughts maybe perhaps a little bit about the lacy and natalia match and some other things that are going on in the carolina wrestling scene and uh i'm sure there'll be something else that will pop up mr coles between now and then we'll have to keep our our eye on this Ring of Honor situation and all that other good stuff. But um, most importantly, like, thank you for uh, coming on with me tonight. 
and helping myself and Laura oh. out. Always have a uh, a good time talking professional wrestling with you, George. Oh, as I do, you guys. You guys are like family. We get together every now and then and uh, catch up and talk about the things we love and some of the things we don't love so much. That <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, and I'd have to remind everybody today is the sixth of November. Oh, excuse me. Which uh, we'll, I'll let you know we are on the road to WrestleCade 2019. There are 23 days, believe it or not, left until WrestleCade 2019. Make sure that you have got your tickets. Go to www.wrestlecade.com and get your tickets now because it will sell out. People will get turned away. Make sure that you get your tickets. Uh, you got anything you want to add, Mr. Coles, before we call it a night? Well, just uh, thank, thank you again for inviting me on, and uh, I know you guys are going to have a great time at WrestleCade, and I can't wait to hear the stories that come of it. You never know what will happen. Folks, we uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the program. We are here every Wednesday night, 7 o'clock Eastern Time on Block Talk Radio, on every major podcast platform known to mankind, and be sure to check us out at www.fnx.network. We'll be back here next week, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, be good to one another, and remember, there's never a bad seat here at the Armory. Thanks for listening. We'll talk soon. been listening to live from the armory wrestling show the premier podcast of indie wrestling listen to us on blogtalkradio.com every wednesday night at 7 p.m eastern time subscribe to us on itunes follow us on twitter at from the armory we're also streamed worldwide on www.fnx.network and we're also available on stitcher you can find us on facebook at facebook.com backslash live.armory.9 If you like what you hear, please take a few moments to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Thank you for listening. See you next week.